this was a team I thought that our fan base could really get behind and be proud of. Welcome into the Scarlet Shootaround podcast, following the beat of Husker basketball. Here are your hosts, Blake and Mike. Nebraska's road letdowns continue in a 94-76 Iowa road loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome in again to the Scarlet Shootaround podcast. My name is Blake here with co-host Mike, and uh, Mike travels continue. I am currently recording this one in a closet in Dallas, so I apologize if, uh, the, again, any quality is disrupted, but we will be home soon. I think we only have one more episode that I need to record on the road. So, Mike, how are you doing today? Just uh, been sitting in the apartment most of the day trying not to freeze my ass off. I think I looked at the weather here about 30 minutes ago, and it's negative 16 out. I know it's pretty bad when even the dog doesn't want to stay outside, so... Between the cold and the loss last night, uh, I've had better days, but you know, it's a, every day above ground's a good day, I guess. I, I'm pretty sure I heard that in a song one time. So <laughs> that, that's that, I suppose. Well, the weather stopped fans, both Nebraska and Iowa alike, from attending at Carver Hawkeye, but it did not matter, Mike, as Iowa ransacked the Huskers for an 18 point win. Let's get into this one. It was not pretty. Mast goes for 14, 5, and 2, shoots 6, 9 from the field. It's one of his two three-pointers. He played okay. His offense was rolling pretty well when the ball was uh, running through him in the high post there. Uh, Tomonaga goes for 13-0-1, 6 of 10 from the field, only hits one of his three, one of his five three-point attempts. Relatively efficient, but he also had three turnovers, Mike. You know, Alec had a nice game, 14-5-1 for him, goes 5 of 6 from the field. I think he had three dunks, um, had a lot of energy all game, one of the few guys that brought it. Uh, who, who, What kind of performance stuck out for you amongst the uh, Huskers in this one? As far as performance period Bryce Williams had a I think just frankly just a very poor performance you know he only had six points went three for 11 from the field 0 for six from three and I don't know if it's I mean obviously he had that ankle issue before Purdue and he looked just fine but came out today and he just looked off the whole game I don't know what that was about it's probably one of his worst games that I've seen at least in his Husker career so far team minus or team worst in the plus minus at minus 31 so just wasn't happening for him anywhere on, on the offensive side or defensive side, which is tough to see. That's that's the one that really stood out to me. You know, you mentioned Alec. I think he actually, like you said, brought the energy. At one point, I think he was getting a little fatigued from like three straight dunks in a span of like three minutes. It's pretty tough. Um, and if we're talking about positive sides, I do want to give a shout out to Eli Rice. You know, he played, I think it's a season high in minutes. He had nearly 19 minutes. He ended up with 11 points. I think he did a pretty good job on both ends of the floor. Um, kind of a spark plug off the bench for us when things weren't really going well for the first half. Coach Hoiberg went to him there pretty early, and he was able to come in. You know, normally think about him coming in recent or you know in the previous games and hitting a three in about you know two or three minutes of game time. But he did a lot of his work actually in the paint. You know, he went four for seven, one for three from deep. So um, he was really good at getting to the hoop. He was really good at finishing when he had the chance, and I was really impressed by what he did. And Alec, like you mentioned, brought a lot of energy. That being said, when things got, you know, ugly, Alec was not very, very happy in the huddle, and he said that there might have been a little bit of a lack of communication in the huddles. It's unacceptable, and it's infuriating, and like, you know, I, I'm like, I don't name guys. Like, I, I just, I know that I have to be a lot better, and like, we just have to do a lot of things better going into to Rutgers that. We're not gonna like separate because it really just felt like a lot of guys were like we like we just like they were kind of unapproachable, and 
Like that's that's my fault as, you know, I'm a fifth year on this team. Like I gotta be somebody that's able to kind of, you know, bridge those gaps with some of our other guys and kind of keep everybody's head level and not just get too caught up and, you know, when you, you know, you're getting your ass kicked like that. It's just, yeah. Now you can tell Mike based on that quote that this one obviously hurt Alec really deep and we'll have more quotes to share as we continue on the conversation, but I don't want to make mountains out of molehills, but that quote I thought was very telling. Is there maybe some sort of confidence issue with this team or do they have a, you know, a short fuse if things go wrong? I, you know, it's hard to say, obviously looking at the the energy that they brought last night, it'd be easy to say, yeah, when, when things aren't going well, um, you know, that it's, it's hard on them, but, I do want to give them a shout out. You know, they're down 15 pretty early or something like that. You know, they were down big pretty quick there. And uh, in the first half, I think they showed a lot of fight and they, they got it back to being, you know, they're within striking distance there at halftime. And I felt pretty comfortable at half. You know, I thought maybe they'd come out, look hot and, and go on a little run and kind of do their thing. They've been a pretty good second half team the whole year, but that just didn't happen. And and maybe what Alex said has a little bit to do with that. So I don't know, maybe the, you know, it's been, like I said, a couple episodes now, three days rest between games for a while now. Maybe it's just starting to wear on them. They get a couple extra days here between Rutgers just maybe to recharge their battery. It's just, it's been kind of a grind and I get that. But at the same time, you know, you got to bring that energy. You got to, you got to be, you know, responsible for your own attitude, highs and lows if you're being unpretchable in a huddle or something like that in a, in a team sport like basketball, you know, that's going to affect everybody. So tough to hear. Um, you know, obviously Alec was took kind of the higher road and he put that on himself saying, you know, he's a fifth year guy that he's got to, he's got to do better there. But honestly, um, you know, everybody's responsible for their own individual effort attitude and, and uh, hope, hope to see that improved on our next road game at Rutgers. Alec was very unhappy with some of the conversations and, and huddles and, and games within the game that happened. And Fred was not very happy about the game, nor was anybody else in the post game. Yeah, it was the perimeter. It was the inside. It was the middle. I mean, it was everything. We were, we were very soft tonight. And, you know, Iowa puts you in a tough position with their movement. And you got to be able to talk when you're playing against a motion offense. We weren't talking out there. We weren't communicating. We weren't getting matched up. It was obviously a bad night all the way around. And when you dig yourself a 17-2 hole, it uh, takes a lot to climb out. To our guys' credit, they did that. And you come back all the way and take a lead, and then uh, you let them get comfortable again. And they threw a zone out there, which, you know, we missed some bunnies, we missed some open ones. But, you know, again, just soft out of the gate. You can't have it. Uh, so what you always worry about after a big emotional win is, uh, is a hangover like that. That's tough to do against Iowa with the way they move, the way they score it, and, uh, you know, give them credit. And Fred mentioned, you know, the words soft, the words not prepared, the words, you know, lacking energy, those types of things. My problem with what happened last night was that the defense was frankly unacceptable. I mean, that you had some nice little stretches there, as you mentioned in the late first half, but a lot of defense comes down to effort. And you could almost see on the faces and, and the movement within the team itself that when the shots weren't falling, it translated right over to the defensive end with lack of effort. They didn't, yeah, they didn't bring it on the defensive end. I know, you know, there were a couple times it seemed where it'd just be an off-the-ball screen and it's stuff, it's basic stuff, you know, switching guys as they, they've been doing all season. And, you know, there's a couple times where two guys go to one guy, it's a simple skip pass and it's a wide open three and the guys just kind of look around like, well, shit, whose job was that? So 
I think that goes back to, you know, what, what coach said there with lack of communication, kind of also what Alex said, lack of communication. You know, we talked about it in the pregame. It's obviously a big letdown spot after a big emotional win over a number one team. And I think that's kind of one thing that separates good teams from great teams. I don't think this Husker team, I'm not saying they're a bad team. Obviously, I think this Husker team is very good. They have the talent to beat anybody that we saw against Purdue. But what a, what a great team will do is they're they're we've talked about consistency a lot this year, but a great team is always consistent. They're always going to bring that effort and that, that drive, that kind of killer instinct on the defensive end. And I just didn't see it from the Huskers this game. You can talk all you want about how good Iowa's shooting was. We said they're not a great three-point shooting team. Well, they proved us wrong in this game. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of that has to do with the effort that the Huskers brought. You know, it's a lot easier to hit those shots when you got a great look and there's nobody closing out and there's not a defender making it hard on you. And I think that's really the story of the game for me. And Dirk had mentioned on Twitter, again, he joined us for the last episode of the Iowa preview. He mentioned on Twitter that, yeah, we can say that Iowa played a pretty good offensive game, but those wide open opportunities are solely there because of the Huskers' lack of defense. So while we can sit here and praise Iowa for having a good shooting night, we can equally, you know, kind of say that the Huskers played awful. I don't think there's any, you know, work around that. And this has kind of been a trend defensively throughout the Huskers' road games this year, Kansas State notwithstanding. And Alec talked about that in another quote here in the, pro, in the uh, post-game press conference. I mean, it's been, I mean, so far, like, that's the story of our season. You know, like, we we get great wins, and then we go out and just shit the bed. Like, we, I mean, the road itself has obviously not been great to us, but it's it's our own doing. Like, we're just, we, we've been able, you know, in Minnesota and now here, you know, Wisconsin was its own thing where we just, you know, like they, you know, they were just kind of like piecing us apart. But like out, out here, you know, it just felt like in Minnesota, like we were just kind of giving them what they wanted. Again, Mike, he talks about we're doing the same exact thing. This this has happened multiple times now where we get a big win. You know, Indiana, you get a nice win and then you come back and you lay a huge goose egg, you, you know, out, out of Wisconsin. Then you come back, have a great game against Purdue. We beat Purdue, yeah, come back and have a huge defensive letdown again on the road. So do you think there's something to be said about this team? You know, we talk about lack of consistency, but why does it always seem to be on the defensive end? Well, that's – I mean, I think that's where the effort and the, and the drive shows up the most is on the defensive end. Offense, you know, I, I'm not going to say offense doesn't take effort, but it's a lot more – um, nuanced, I feel like on offense, it's a lot more team. Whereas defense, you have to play as a team, absolutely. But it's a lot of you know you're reacting to what the offense is wanting to do. So it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. Is really mostly what comes out on the defensive end. You're you're not dictating what's going on. It's on you to to stop the other person, um, which is kind of an attitude thing. It's an effort thing. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's obviously been a it's been a blatant sequence going on here with these poor defensive performances now, and it's hopefully something that they can get right at. It seems like every every other episode now, I'm giving the defensive you know team credit and shouting out the coaches for their game plan, and then the game after that, it's well the guys didn't bring the effort, and you know they the other team shot the lights out of the building, and it was a big blowout loss. So. Hopefully somewhere between the highs and the lows, we can figure something out and get to be a little more consistent and, and bring it every every game. And I think we'd be remiss, remiss, Mike, if we didn't mention Sam Hoiberg. Played obviously a very energetic game, maybe struggled at times on defense with you know his built-in lack of height. Not a whole lot you can do on that side of things, but he took a lot of Lawrence's minutes when Lawrence went 0-2 from 3 right, right out of the gate here, I think in the first two minutes 
uh, threw up two shots. Now, I'm guessing that must not have been part of the game plan because Fred in his press conference had mentioned that you don't beat Iowa by shooting, you know, trying to match their game. You don't beat Iowa 98 to 94 in, you know, in their house. That's just not the recipe. But Sam Hoiberg, Mike, led the team with six rebounds. That cannot happen. Frankly, it's it's surprising, you know, looking at the box score today. You told me that, you know, off air, and I was like, there's no way you actually did it, right? Yeah, no, he led the team six rebounds. Mast and Gary both had five. But when you're uh, your sixth man coming off the bench as a guard is leading your team, obviously he played starter minutes. He played 25 minutes this game. But um, that's that's something you don't like to see. Obviously, Iowa did shoot a lot of threes, so, you know, long shot, long rebound type of situation where that ball's going to kick out a little bit farther. But still, just I think that just really goes to show the lack of, of hustle and effort on the defensive end, that, that Sam Hoiberg's going to be the guy pulling down most of your defensive rebounds. So um, obviously not not what I'm sure was in the game plan, as you had mentioned with Jamarcus, you know, sh- shooting those threes. I feel like I, that happened a lot. And, and Fred mentioned it in the second half when they went to the zone. I feel like they were settling very early for very deep contested threes in the shot clock. And we talk about lack of effort on the defensive end. I think that's a little bit of lack of effort on the offensive end, just getting lazy and taking the first halfway somewhat decent look you can get instead of actually working the ball. They didn't work the ball. They didn't work the clock a lot. It was very fast, and I think we're playing up to Iowa's, like you said, kind of playing Iowa's game as a very up-tempo game, which is not where we wanted to be. That's where we ended up pretty much the whole game, and that's the reason they lost by nearly 20. And you bring up a really interesting point there. Iowa – after Nebraska had taken a one-point lead at one point there, and then I think they got a bucket or two of their own. I don't remember the exact sequence, but Iowa went to a 2-3 zone, and the Huskers had huge fits with it. Fred had a comment on that in the post-game press conference. Well, I just, you know, we weren't, first of all, we weren't getting into our action. We weren't getting them. Once we got it in the middle, we were fine, and we were getting some high lows. We got some good looks that we missed. Uh, you know, but when we first came down, we just were not getting to the right spots. And, you know, once we settled down a little bit, but it was too late after that. You know, once they built that big lead, it was hard to climb back in, uh, in it, and our shots obviously didn't fall uh, tonight like they had been the last couple games. Uh, you know, we scored, I think, 30, 46 in the paint, uh, you know, so when we got it in there, good things happened. I think 30 of our 36 in the first half were in the paint, and the second half, again, we, we missed a couple right at the rim, and uh, you got to make your open shots when you're playing against the zone. Uh, we didn't do that, but again, give Fran and, and give Iowa credit for that. And Mike, Fred ended that quote by saying, give Fran a lot of credit. When he saw, and I last thing I want to do is give an Iowa coach credit, but when he saw that we were shooting, I mean, abysmal from three, we ended the game shooting 15% on four of 26 from beyond the arc. Why would you not go to a zone? It makes a ton of sense. I mean, just let us chuck it up if we're not even going to, you know, catch iron on some of these. Yeah, no, you got to give credit. It was a great adjustment by by the Iowa coaching staff to, to go to that zone and, you know, it's it's really frustrating because I think, you know, everybody knows, you know, it's against 2-3, you know, you work high post, short corner type of action. It's a lot easier said than done, obviously, when you're just talking about it theoretically or running on air than, than when there's actual bodies in the way. But as Fred mentioned, it just weren't getting into the sets, weren't getting into the action a lot. And I understand it can be tough. Iowa had been playing man-to-man the whole game, so to suddenly switch into your zone sets, it kind of throws off the rhythm. And I can get that, but it wasn't just for a little while. It was the entire time they're in the zone. We just did not look comfortable. And it's giving me shades of some of the Tim Miles teams that I remember. You'd come out with the zone and we go on an eight-minute scoring drought. And it just it kind of flashbacks like that. So tough to see. You know, like you said, when we're not shooting the ball well, why not go to it? It's, 
if we are shooting the ball well, obviously you shoot him out of his zone, but that wasn't happening last night, and uh, that's the reason it was so successful for Iowa. Um, tough shooting night, and that's how they go sometimes, but I think a lot of that has to do with the shot selection that the, the Huskers were taking. Not not very good looks pretty early in the um, you know possession and just kind of settling for what they took. So, Mike, this one was an ugly game. Again, Nebraska loses 94 to 76 in Iowa City. Huskers shoot 48% from the field on 30 of 63. 15% from three-point on four of 26. They go 80% from the line, 12 of 15. And they have 14 assists to eight turnovers. So the Huskers, they actually took relatively good care of the ball. But Iowa goes 52% with the field on 35 of 67, 43% from three on 15 of 35, 64% from the stripe on nine of 14. And, Mike, the Hawkeyes had a whopping 30 assists to six yeah. turnovers. So yeah. I do just want to say, you know, you mentioned that the Huskers had 14 assists. Tony Perkins himself had 15 assists. So um, Tony Perkins out-assisted the Huskers by himself. Just despicable showing on the de- defensive end is what this boils down to. And hopefully they get it righted, righted for the uh, the road test at Rutgers. So a lot of ugly things to be said and to be shared about this one, but they need to wipe it. That being said, there was a lot of uh, Twitter commentary on this one as well. So let's get into those. So Husker fans, let's hear from you. So Husker fans, you had a lot of comments to share on our Twitter following this one. Obviously, it was a very emotional letdown loss after the big Purdue win. But let's get into these and discuss some of the ideas that you guys had. So uh, Evan Weekland says, I didn't want to believe it, but my gut told me a letdown was coming. On the road with two days rest after the biggest win of the year against a potent offense, it felt like we needed to split road games this week and beat Northwestern at home to stay on track. Flush it and on to the next. And, Mike, I think the way I always looked at these next two games was that you need to go one and one. And I think Rutgers, as we'll get into it, is the easier one of the two. But this one still hurts just as much. And, you know, our net rating took, I think we fell 12 spots, I tweeted today. So this one hurts the metrics. We can't lie about it. Oh, absolutely. Getting blown out the way we did is always going to hurt, especially in the net. It feels like um, margin of victory has a, has a big big portion to do with that. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. I think this is an opportunity for another quad one win. It would have been nice to go back to back with them. So you want to talk about uh, a, a loss that doesn't necessarily hurt you too, too much when it comes to resume, you know, a quad one loss, nobody's going to really, um, you know, pin that on you. Um, it's, it's a, would have been a good opportunity to pad the resume, but the, the game against Northwestern, I think is a far more important one as far as not losing it. If we would have went to, you know, two and zero on the road, and beat Iowa and Rutgers, I would have been ecstatic. Um, you know, a, a win against Iowa would have been huge. But I think, like you said, on to the next one. We really got to focus up. Can't drop this one against Rutgers. Dustin Huber says, embarrassing performance. There's lots to work on, and Fred needs to be asked all the questions. Blake Kaler says, we let essentially every competent player from Iowa beat us for 40 minutes straight. We got to find a way sometimes if they want to be a team that is respected. And Jacob Wright says, we got to start competing on the road. Blowout losses are not going to cut it come selection Sunday. Eli Rice provided a nice spark, but we need other guys to contribute. Living and dying by the three is a bailout. Disappointing showing, especially with the small crowd, too. And that's, I think, the biggest thing I took away from both this and the Minnesota loss, Mike, is, you know, we can talk about playing on the road and tough environments and all those types of things. But honestly, at the end of the day, it was an empty arena. I mean, there was nobody there. So, it's hard to justify losing the way we did. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the home court advantage obviously wasn't as big. I don't think it negates the fact that it was, it was two days rest with a, you know, a day of travel in there too. So 
it's always it's always hard to go on the road, especially in the Big Ten, as I had mentioned in the pregame. But yeah, no, like you said, nobody was there. We we have to be better on the road. We've yet to get win a conference game on the road. It's great that we've defended home court the way we have, but like I think it was it was Jacob Wright said in the replies there. You know, if if it comes Selection Sunday and we have an abysmal road record in conference, it's just it's not going to get it done. So got to find a way to to start winning some of these road conference games. I know it's not easy. But just, just got to find a way, got to dig deep and, and pull a couple out here. Maddox Show says, I can stomach losses, but it's hard to stomach being non-competitive. How do we not even compete against Creighton, Wisconsin, and Iowa? Nebraska Cubby says, has Fred never seen a zone defense before? I can drop a better scheme than throwing up deep threes. And Husker Prod says, no effort at all, which sucked the most. I felt this is a possible trap game to begin with, and I was right. And Mike, the biggest thing I guess that I take away going into uh, Rutgers is, are we to be able to show up on the road against a team that we probably are better than? And that's that remains to be seen. I'd love to say yes and answer that definitively, but as we've seen, they just haven't shown up on the road. You know, two massive blowout losses now in in Wisconsin and Iowa, and I've yet to see anything that instills belief that we're we're going to get it done on the road. And then if you want to talk about the other loss on the road, obviously the Minnesota game. You know, that's before Christmas break. It feels like it's been a while, but. The second half meltdown in that game without their best player, you know, Darson Garcia, that was an inexcusable loss too. So three really tough losses on the road. They, they got to figure something out before they head to the rack and, and take on Rutgers. Whizbang Hoops says extremely predictable letdown game. Fan base shouldn't but will overreact to this one. We love Nebraska ball. Sam Hoiberg fan club says, sadly, you will never win a game shooting 16% from three, but forget about it and move on. Husker Power says, I hate Iowa. They ruin everything. Hard to disagree there. And Patrick Schmidt says, pathetic, expected, and yet disappointed. Onward to Rutgers. And honestly, Mike, I think Patrick summed it up exactly right. We all knew this is a letdown spot. You know, I don't think anybody expected us to go out and shoot, you know, 62% from three again like we did against Purdue. But that doesn't make it hurt any less. No, and I think... I think a lot of those comments got it right where it's, you know, on to the next one. It is what it is. Got to put it behind us at this point. Kind of like what Fred had preached about the Purdue game, put it behind you. But at this point, really, you do have to do that. I think, you know, a couple extra days rest hopefully will help uh, to kind of hit the reset button, put it behind it. As I've been saying a lot, you know, it's one game at a time. It's on to Rutgers now. We can't change this result. So just got to go out and get a get a W in the next one, and we'll see what they do when they when they travel to Piscataway. So I want to thank everybody again for sharing their comments. Uh, if you'd like to be included on the show, make sure you reply to our Huskers. What are your thoughts? Tweet after each and every game, each and every game, each and every game. We post them right about at the last buzzer. So um, we try to catch all the live and, and passionate thoughts that we can as they as they come to everybody. You are listening to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. Okay, Mike, so let's get into the Rutgers preview. But before we do, I believe you have a sponsor to share. Yes, sir. This segment, the Rutgers preview, is brought to you by Tax and Business Consultants, providing all the tax, accounting, payroll, and consulting that your business needs. They partner with you to specifically tailor strategies suited to you and your business. Committed to, committed to positive client outcomes since 1961, they've re- been relieving stress related to taxes in all forms. Their offices are located in Blair, Columbus, and Lyons, so give them a call at 402 426 
4144 or visit visit their website at www.tbc.tax that is t as in tomanaga b as in bryce williams and c as in coach hoiberg.tax once again that phone number is 402-426-4144 go big red all right mike so let's get into rutgers this team um not off to a great start this year they've had a couple bad losses preseason ranks 10th in the big 10 notable wins for them uh, number 67, Seton Hall on the road, probably their best shining win on the resume, 70 to 63. Number 87, Indiana at home, 66 to 57. And they barely beat number 351, Ken Palm Stonehill, 59 to 58 at home. And I believe needed a miracle three pointer at the end of the game to even take the lead in that one. So Rutgers known to maybe play down to their opponents a little bit. Notable losses for this team. Uh, they lost to number 45, Iowa, on the road, as we just did, although a much smaller margin, losing 86 to 77. Lost to number 10, Illinois, at home, 76 to 58, and lost to number 38, Ohio State, in a close one on the road, 76 to 72. So one of the better games that they've played this year. Ken Palm Wise, they're 85th overall. Offense checking in at an abysmal 251st nationally. Defense, though, they are 7th in the country, which is kind of their calling card. Uh, via Steve Peichel and Temple, they play at the 159th pace, much faster on offense than defense. They'll drag you out on the defensive end. So, Mike, what about Rutgers sticks out to you in the scouting report? Yeah, as you had mentioned, going through their their Kempom stats, it's definitely defense. You know, top 10 in adjusted efficiency, so total defense. But even beyond that, they're number one in the nation in non-steal turnover percent, so they force a lot of throwaways. And, you know, they're fifth in block percent in the country, um, they're, you know, top 20 in two-point defense. So really the defensive side of the ball is, is really good. You know, they're also top 20 in turnover percent period. So turning people over nearly 22, 23% of the time. So the big, the big thing is Huskers are going to have to take care of the ball. They did a pretty good job against Iowa. They've done a pretty good job the last few games. You know, early in the season, the turnover bug was kind of an issue, but hopefully they can keep, keep up with that and then take care of the ball against Rutgers. And I think that would severely limit what Rutgers could do um, to damage them on the offensive end if you, if you take care of the ball and don't give them any easy you know, transition opportunities. So some of the pieces that Rutgers is going to trot out against us, Mike, their point guard Derek Simpson, a 6'3 sophomore, averaging 9, 3, and 3, shooting 33% from the field, 30% from 3. He did score 23 points twice this year, but not a great passer. His uh, season high is 5 assists, so a little bit of work to do on the passing for him for a point guard. Um, other big piece they have their power forward Andre Hyatt, a six-six senior, averaging twelve-six and one, shooting thirty-nine percent from the field, thirty-five percent from three, and he's their main three-point option. A lot of his game is based beyond the perimeter. He's their leading scorer and had a stat line of nine, ten, and two on the road against Ohio State, so nearly a double-double for him there. And their big piece at at the five-spot, Cliff Amori. I don't know if I said that right, probably not, but. 6'11", senior, averaging 10, 9, and 1, shooting 50% from the field, has not hit any of his four three-point attempts on the year. He's a powerful rebounder and had 25 and 11 against LIU and had eight offensive rebounds against Bryant. So, Mike, they don't have a lot of threats from beyond the arc or really from the field in general, but they do have a couple nice pieces that they'll show us. Yeah, they will. And then this is, you know, big-time college basketball, so they're always going to be guys that you got to look out for. You can't sleep on anybody. It's going to be... You know, a lot of a lot of inside work, I'd assume. It seems like they score a majority of their points, you know, center wise or, or you know, from their, their three positions. So their forwards, their front court is going to do a lot of the work. Don't have to worry too, too much about their back court in general. Um, you know, they're, they're 
not the best rebounding team. They do check in at, you know, 270th on defensive rebounding. So Huskers may get a chance to, to get some easy putbacks there. But, yeah, can't sleep on anybody, uh, especially on the road. As we've mentioned, the Huskers come out looking flat. So if they have a good defensive game plan, you know, lockdown. You mentioned they're not a great three-point shooting team necessarily. So maybe – They'll, they'll be more willing to give up looks there. You know, we've seen the Huskers double in the paint a lot so far this season. It seems to be kind of what the, the uh, coaching staff wants to do on the defensive end, and that may work out in the Huskers' favor this game. And they do have another decent forward. Mawat Mag is 6'7", senior shooting 11-5-2, a 36% from the field, a sub-30% three-point shooter. He did tear his ACL last year, but he came back, I believe, against Seton Hall, so he's only played seven or eight games this year thus far. But you have a stat line of 24, 10, and 1 against Iowa. So a guy that we may need to watch out for. A shooting guard, they have Noah Fernandez, a 5'11 senior, averaging 8, 2, and 2. 34% from the field guy, 27% from 3. He's a grad grad transfer from UMass. And he was a threat when he was there as he shot 46% from beyond the arc over there the prior year. So need to make sure that we keep an eye on him as well. And off the bench, they'll bring out a couple guys, but the biggest threat that I saw is Jermichael Davis, or Jermichael Davis, a 6'2 freshman averaging 5'3 three and 3, shooting 34% from the field, 28% from 3. He's a pretty good defender off the bench, and he's seen a scoring uptick the last six games. But, Mike, as you kind of alluded to and, and mentioned, this team is not based on offense. They're based on defense. So, you know, a lot of the stats on the defensive side are fantastic. You know, Mike, they they have a great blocking defense. They've, they've got some really nice pieces on the defensive side, and Steve Peichel's always going to trot out a team that, that makes uh, a defense-first mentality come to life. Yeah, that's that's obviously their calling card. We've said it a lot so far. Not not too scary on the offensive end. So um, maybe, that, maybe that'll maybe that help what the Huskers have been lacking so far in, in their conference road games. Seems like defense has always been – the big worry. So going against the team that's, you know, ranking towards the bottom in conference, they're in fact bottom of the conference in, in their offensive efficiency as, as per Ken Palm. So that should maybe a little bit of a chance for a get right game, uh, a chance to come out and, you know, take care of business. I think another thing to look forward to, I've been talking about Huskers not having a ton of rest. They are away at Michigan state on the 14th and then they're home against the Huskers on the 17th. So, They'll be coming off, you know, just a couple days rest, trying to trying to come against a, you know, they got a tough game against Michigan State. We know that Spartan team is pretty good. They've looked much improved since the Huskers have played them. So maybe a tough spot for Rutgers, uh, you know, in the, only a two-game, two-day rest, whereas the Huskers get a handful. So just, you know, a couple things maybe looking, looking up for the Huskers, get a, like I said, a chance for a good bounce-back game and uh, get their first conference road win, hopefully. Yes, and offensively, Mike, like we kind of talked about, they're 343rd nationally in offensive effective field goal percentage. They're 336th nationally in three-point percentage. They're 334th nationally in two-point percentage. And they're 305th nationally in free-throw percentage. So this is a team that just straight up, flat out, cannot shoot the ball, whether there's a defender there or not. So this is an opportunity for Nebraska. As you mentioned, uh, Rutgers is going to be off a short rest week in a physical game that they're going to play at Michigan State and Michigan State uh, as it sits right now, I believe are at one and four in the conference. So Michigan State is going to—they're going to bring their all to this one. They're starting to, you know, maybe get a little bit of question on is heading toward the bubble more and more every day. So this is going to be a big game for Michigan State. And finally, I think the Huskers are going to have more rest than their opponent for uh, for a game. So I don't think we've had that more or less all year. So that'll be a nice uh, change mm-hmm. of pace as well. But Mike, a lot of this is going to come down to effort uh, on the offensive end as well. You know, obviously defense as well, but. Mike, a lot of this one's going to come down to how well Nebraska can shoot against an elite Rutgers defense. 
You know, they're 11th nationally in effective field goal percentage. They're 14th nationally in defensive turnovers. They cause a lot of problems. You mentioned earlier, uh, they're first in the country in non-steal turnovers, so they'll force you to make a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, they work really fast on offense. They play at the 33rd quickest offensive tempo nationally, but they lock in on defense. And I believe they're top 10 in uh, defensive length of possession. So this is going to be a tough one for the Huskers and really going to test their might and metal. Yeah, it is. I, I will say one thing. Uh, you know, looking at point distribution on, on Rutgers defensive end, they are a little slightly above average prone to, to giving up three pointers. You know, I think the, the country, the D one average is about 30% of points coming from three. They gave up about 32, 33. So uh, a slight edge there, as far as that scores, they do, they are pretty good at defending the two though. So once again, kind of the same situation that we've talked about multiple times this year, if the Huskers can shoot the three and knock down the the three ball, obviously it helps a ton, no matter what team you are. But especially when you're the Huskers and the number one you know team in the Big Ten at three point attempts per game, it's really going to come down to whether the Huskers can hit those shots, like you said, against a great defensive team like Rutgers. Um, and it, it, it remains to be seen if if they can come out and bring that energy on the road. Ken Palm Mike has this one as a 70 to 69 Nebraska win, and Torbick has it at a 69 to 68 Nebraska win. So let's project this one at Nebraska minus one. Where are you feeling? Yeah, after the uh, the the gut check that was Iowa, I'm I'm back on the Husker hype train. It's kind of hard to be on the hype train after an 18 point loss on the road, but I think everybody saw that as a big letdown spot. I think this is, like I said, a good chance for a get right game on the road. Get a a great chance to get the first. Um, conference road win at the vaunted rack. Um, so I, I, I see the Huskers winning this one by maybe about five. Give me like a 75-70 final. I'm going to take Nebraska minus one as well, Mike. I think offensively, this Rutgers team reminds me a lot of Indiana. They have a couple good bigs, but they have basically nothing for shooters. As a matter of fact, as you mentioned, they're the worst offensive team in the conference. So a little bit of a similar Indiana build. So I think our doubling the post uh, strategy is going to come back into play as we did against Purdue and Indiana prior. Um, so I'm sure we'll see a lot of doubling down low. Nebraska, again, as we talked about, is going to be on four days of rest and Rutgers only on two as they travel back home. So I think Nebraska should have fresh legs for this one, fingers crossed. And Nebraska has rebounded well this year, um, but they're bad on the road. So something among those two is going to have to change. And here's to hoping that, uh, that Nebraska can fix their road woes and get a nice big Big Ten road win. Uh, heading out to Piscataway. So my final score prediction for this one, Mike, 72 to 63. I think Nebraska actually runs away for a mini blowout in this one on the road and and gets their road uh, road problems corrected. So that being said, let's move on to the end of the show and get you guys out of here. You are listening to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. All right, Mike, so Huskers heading up to Piscataway for a big one. I, you know, you hate to say that it's a must win, but you hate to go 0-2 on the road in this mini stretch. Yeah, no, that would be, I mean, obviously worst-case scenario, not winning either of them. But, no, that would be that'd be kind of a nightmare scenario, especially after the big kind of statement win against Purdue to come and, and let down two clunkers and, and get two losses. That kind of bring everybody back down to earth and once again kind of put the Huskers more looking at the bubble uh, maybe in the first four out region because they've been pretty comfortably in since that Purdue game. So we'll see. I think this is a chance for, I think it's a quad two win uh, on the road here. Rutgers isn't very high in the net. So not a quad one opportunity, but hate to hate to lose a quad two game. You know, that looks a lot worse on the resume than a quad one loss. So take care of business. 
um, you know, get a get a good showing, maybe prove to themselves a little bit as a team that they can they get it done on the road because. You know, basketball, just like any of the sport, basketball is kind of a mental game. And I would be shocked if the guys don't realize that they haven't won a road conference game. And maybe that starts to wear on them a bit. So hopefully get that off the, you know, that monkey off their back and, and prove that they can do it for themselves, for the fans and move on with the rest of the the rest of the schedule. But as always, one game at a time, focus on, you know, what Rutgers is going to bring. As you'd mentioned, a lot of, you know, they got a couple pretty talented bigs. So. We've seen that defensive game plan work for us before. Hopefully we can get it implemented and, and executed well. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Scarlet Shoot Pod. Our Twitter, we're active all the time, sharing updates on uh, you know bracketology changes, roster changes, uh, any Big Ten news, anything that we feel is important to share. YouTube, we post our video podcast, and that's kind of actually growing in interest over time. We think we're getting probably 20 to 25 views on our YouTube Uh, uploads all the time now so make sure if you prefer video podcasts you subscribe there instagram we post very sporadically if there's something related to nebraska basketball that we were involved in we'll share it on there but that's more of a fun thing and make sure you follow the show on apple and spotify so you never miss an episode we'd really appreciate it if you guys would uh, go down to whichever platform you're on and rate us five stars helps us pop up in search results and we'll make sure to share any five star rating that we get on our twitter as well so I uh, do want to announce that we'll have a special guest for our Alumni Weekend Northwestern preview in the next episode, so look forward to that. But beyond that, Mike, let's make sure that we get this win. For the Scar yeah. Shooting Around podcast, my name is Blake, and for Mike, go Big Red. Go Big Red, baby.